Hello, Euphorians. If this is your first time listening, then I'm very sorry to hear that. Be sure to listen to our first episode, Let's Get High. We've linked this in our Instagram bio, at so underscore euphoric. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. We promise you won't regret it. This week, we'll be discussing episode two, which is honestly kind of fucking dark. We build a strong case for Nate being gay, we bet on the amount of dicks in the episode, and we meet the most terrifying drug dealer in TV history. There is so much to unravel here, so let's grab your drinks and let's get euphoric. Hey, super fans, we are back and we are stoked to deliver you all the tea on episode two. Stunting like my daddy, I'm here with my, well, I'm Paige, of course, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex. What's up, Alex? How are you feeling? What it is, Paige? I'm feeling all right. Well, that's good. Um, we're still stuck in our apartment. We are very much still quarantining. New York is still on absolute shutdown. So we're going a little insane, but I've got a gin and OJ in hand, so not much has changed. Um, (laughs) But yeah, shit's crazy. It's still really crazy. Nothing's really seeming to get better, so that's great. Um, But I did keep my job, which is good. I did not get laid off. I thought I was going to. Still working at SeatGeek. Shout out SeatGeek. Maybe you can throw us a promo if we go big. (laughs) Um, But yeah, other than that... uh, we did receive some kind of bad news, though. Yes. Oh. Coronavirus has officially delayed season two of Euphoria. I it's... literally am having a moment of silence because I can't. It's so sad. I mean, we all knew it was coming. We did. We did. Everything's fucking shut down. Literally everything but, like, grocery stores. And even that, like, should be closed at this point, honestly, because everyone's just spreading their fucking germs. No one's wearing gloves. No one's wearing masks. Like, kids... Wear your fucking mask, wear your gloves, and be smart. Like, don't fucking sneeze and rub your germs on shit. I'm so tired of seeing this Mm -hmm, shit. mm -hmm. Uh, Same goes for boomers, too. Like, boomers, (sighs) please put on some fucking gloves. Stop going to the grocery store every day. Put on a mask. Jesus Christ. Change your life. Let's get through this coronavirus Uh, so that season two of Euphoria can take place. And then we all know that's the only reason we want people to be safe. uh Uh-huh. That is the only reason our world needs to be safer is so that... Euphoria season two can start filming. They will never be able to start filming if millennials and boomers don't stay the fuck home. If you guys out there have some parents like mine that are trying to go to the, like <laughs> the grocery store to get coffee every day, like please stop them. Just like lock them inside, take away their car keys, like whatever it takes. Just like Sit keep them, them from going out. Sit please. them down. Better yet, please, please, please. Better yet, take them by the hand, lead them to the couch, and tell them, hey, this is really cool podcast <laughs> that I really would like you to listen to. Mm-hmm. It's explicit, but like you'll yep. enjoy. Make them watch Euphoria. Make them listen to their podcast. Yeah, do yeah. the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. The Lord's work. Well, we you know we don't have a lot of time here, Alex. So I really think we need to dive into this episode. And Let's boy, fucking go. it's a it's a dark episode. It's a doozy. It is a doozy. There's a lot to unpack here. So we really only picked a couple points that we felt were. I don't even know if to say important. That's not fair. Like, everything on Euphoria is important. But we did pick some things that we both agreed on were notes that we took during the episode that we feel are important to discuss. So that being said, how do we want to start? Well, let's start right at the beginning. I mean, right off the bat, we get Rue on the school bus um, saying that when she's super high, she feels like she's psychic. Hmm. Um, which That's on... so relevant. <laughs> if Rue can see oh my that's god, so That's so Rue. Yep. Um, if, that is so rude. Oh my god, we should do a meme of Rue. Uh-huh. Oh my god, I'm doing it later. Okay, if anyways. she is Raven, who is Corey in the house, though? Corey, God. Oh, McKay. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> that's racist. McKay in the house. Okay, okay. moving on. Um. Anyways, really so Rue says uh, that she feels like she's really psychic. 
when she's stoned. Um, and then basically, like, the way I interpreted this scene is that she then has, like, a psychic vision, uh, which mm-hmm. explains, like, her insight into Nate's past in the scene that comes next, where she's, like, basically, like, narrating everything that's happened to him in his life. Okay. Um, so possibly, to me, I read this as kind of a bit of, like, a, a fantasy explanation of how she knows all these things that she's constantly narrating in the show I that she that's... wouldn't really know. I guess that's kind of a good point because, like, Rue didn't know Nate when he was eight years old watching his dad's porn. Not. She doesn't know any. Or she, she did, does, but she wasn't She doesn't there. know any of the things that happen in the show, but yeah. she narrates them all anyways. So this And gives is, her insight and gives her theories on, like, why he's this way, yeah. yada, yada. Maybe this is bullshit on my part, but I read this as, like, maybe she's just having drug-induced, like, psychic visions of everybody's lives. I, I mean, that know. would be dope. Yeah. It's kind of silly, but it's a kind of fun way to look at I'm it, I'm kind of here for it, but yeah. I mean, we'll see what everybody else thinks, super fans. Let us know. Yeah. So then Rue uh, is narrating Nate's life, which is uh, pretty fucked up. Yeah, it's really fucked from the get-go. So my first note on my notepad was colorful CD cases. Now, I wrote this down because it was extremely nostalgic for me to see this. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of our younger fans... Literally can't make any connection to this, but, like, it was so romantic when you'd make someone a mixtape in a colorful CD case. Like, Alex literally did this for me in college, and I thought it was, like, the cutest shit ever. And I feel like it's just so sad that now, like, people just send, like, links through Instagram and, like, Spotify, and it's just, like, so impersonable. You just don't have that, like, mixtape romance vibe anymore. Yeah, making, like, a physical mixtape for someone and, like, drawing on it and selecting the songs was, like, a, it was a yeah. great thing. It was, like, a great way to flirt. And I'm it was referring a great to Cal's little, tapes, like, by the way. I don't gift. know if I said that. I'm referring yeah. to his porn yeah, yeah, drawer. Yeah. The, porn, the porno drawer. <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, like, I don't know. Children out there, are you, like, making, like, Spotify playlists for, like, your romantic interests and, like, know. sending them the link? Is that a thing that kids do? I, I don't, don't know. I think so. We'll have to, like, ask around and see, but, like, I Tell just, us if you do that. It was just nostalgic. I just loved seeing all those colorful colored cases. I oh, was, yeah. That was great. <laughs> really Back great. in the but, day. yeah. So, Cal's a real fuck. Um, Nate stumbles upon his porno, his porno uh, drawer, and we see some really fucked up, disturbing videos of him essentially, like fucking a bunch of minors it looks like mostly but borderline like barely legal maybe children maybe this is statutory he has a routine he does the same shit every time he sure wasn't checking jules id so i would bet that some minors slipped in there absolutely slipped yeah they really or no he slipped in them (laughs) yeah he slipped in there (laughs) anyways so oh wait um you were going to talk about something about oh, Cal. Yes. I don't... Um, this wasn't my thing. I'll just no, put this no, no. down. So, this well, is hot. This is like red alert, red yeah, alert. Yeah, red alert, hot goss. When I watch shows, I love to like research the actors and what kind of like other weird shit they've been in. So when I was looking up uh, the actor Eric Dane, who plays Cal... Um, also known in Grey's Anatomy. Yes, also from Grey's Anatomy. There's a entire section on his Wikipedia about how... He uh, had a sex tape where him and his wife were having a threesome with Miss Teen Oregon. Excuse me, former Miss Teen Oregon. She was not a teenager at the time of the sex tape. How old would you guess? 18? I don't remember. She was in her early 20s. She was not a teenager anymore, so it was all legal and fine. Um, But it was a big thing, and this media site Gawker posted it, and he had to sue them to get it taken down from the internet. It was a big thing, but the point is, Eric Dane brings some real-life experience to this whole, like, <laughs> older dude banging really oh young God, girls Do you think the director knows about the sex tape? Do you think it's an awkward conversation he has to have with a lot of people when getting jobs? I don't know. I mean, maybe Eric Dane brought that to his audition and was like, look, I have, like, some real life... I mean, he's an artist. Maybe he's like, brings his personal oh life to work God. and is like, look, I have, like, a lot of... I have some real experience I mean, in this. maybe. Yeah. One can dream. One can think. I mean, I could see it. I feel like sam levinson is way too intelligent to like look at a fucking threesome and be like oh that's art like come on but maybe but maybe maybe it was opposite who knows anyways so then we got you know outside of this we get cal kind of sitting down with nate because he obviously stumbles upon nate watching or he assumes nate's been watching the porn and he sits on his bed gives him this like heart to heart if you will with his son it's super intense it's super fucking weird it's very weird and i was telling alex my note taking from this i feel like this was cal's way of manipulating his son because i think my take on it is cal now knows that nate's watching his fucking pornos so now cal's like i have to somehow build up nate make him feel strong make him feel important so that he thinks i'm like team nate i'm like his 
he's my favorite son, essentially. Like, that's how I took it. Like, you're my favorite. Be like me, and we'll be this, like, powerful, like, duo. And it's, like, a way of manipulating him to not tell his family, like, that he's seen Mm -hmm. these pornos. Yeah, it feels like a very, uh, it's a very, like, tactful manipulation Mm -hmm. um, to, like, build this, like, bond with him and be like, we're in this together. Yeah, Um, like, if you catch your parents doing something bad, you know they're going to be like, oh, like, here's a piece of candy, but don't tell mom that I did this. It's, like, that kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like this scene is also incredibly revealing about Cal's character because he has this really, like, fucked up, paranoid worldview where he thinks people are, like after him and mm-hmm. are going to be like after him and nate where he's like look like the world like hates the us. world like, will combat people are like... coming for you like you have to be ready like all this shit like instilling this like crazy paranoia in nate which, which makes me makes him animalistic and makes him become this like crazy football like jock who's like screaming at parties right. and ripping a shirt like, off like we'll see along the way how that impacts nate but it also to me i wonder like is cal like what the fuck happened to cal like he just is like a white dude that lives in the suburbs so like <laughs> he what works the, in construction who are all these people that are after him like what happened in his past yeah, that he is he's so, not like, like drug dealing in compton where he has like this really good right, sense of like, like the evil awful world out there what happened to you dog like i wonder if he was like abused or like a victim of something i think so who knows but like dog has so fucking paranoid as we learn from our extensive research in law and order svu i do feel that there is absolutely a Mm. case for cal here to have some previous you know Mm -hmm. he could have been molested Mm -hmm. i don't know it's yeah, deep. maybe. He's a, is Cal a victim? We'll find out. Is Cal a victim? Season two, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we will never find out. So then we enter, we kind of transition into Nate growing up, and we go right into the locker room scene, which is extremely infamous. Oh, God, the dongs. It is. So, so as dongs. we know, all, all super fans should know this, but the first like big press release slash anything that had to do with Euphoria, like the only news that came out of like the pilot and the second episode, I think they were released at the same time, so there was all this talk and leakage of there being a certain amount of dicks in the episode and how like euphoria was so awful like kids should not watch this like they weren't saying the show itself was awful but it was very much like parents red alert like do not let your kids watch this there are like a thousand dicks in the first episode which is wrong they're in the second episode let me make that clear there's only like yeah. one in the first there's actually no there's a lot there's a of the dick pics just a couple. But yeah, there was this big like media hype where it was like, oh my god, Euphoria. It was like, very sensationalized. It was like, there's so many dicks in Euphoria, blah, blah, blah. Who you know knows? what I just thought of, too? Um, a new thought what? is, what was your take on there being, like, really? Because a lot of shows, there is a lot of nudity. And sometimes it does feel very unnecessary, meaning it's like, okay, let's add, like, some tits in this scene just because. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the dicks were not warranted? Meaning, like, do you think it was a little much? Meaning, like, do do you have to do it this Mm -hmm. way, Sam Levinson? Like, Mm -hmm. do we have to see all these dicks? Like, or is... Meaning, do you think in his head he was like, this will get a lot of press, let's do this? Or do you think he really was artistically trying to show, like, a high school locker room and how fucked up and weird jocks are about showing their dicks and being okay with it? I can't speak to his intention. And the gayness of it all. I don't think he was... I doubt he was purposely, like, trying to be sensational. Um, But I feel like sometimes the nudity in Euphoria is, like, gratuitous. But not in this scene, because I feel like it serves a purpose, which is, like you feel Nate's discomfort. Like, when Which he's opens walking us through that locker room and you're seeing, like, all these dongs flopping everywhere and they're gross and they're just, like, hanging out all over the place, like... And what does that lead us to, icky. Alex? Which is so, your big idea. Yes, so... Um, well, not yours, many others. Yeah, I mean, this is not my idea, but, like... I'm a belie- I'm in the camp of believing Nate is gay. Um, and in this episode, we Fully start gay, to get... not by Gay. Yeah, probably gay. I think gay. I think so, too. Um, Only because of his distancing of, like, guys in general. Very, like, turned off. Like, in the scene of the locker room. When yeah. Everyone's... So we get, like, tons of clues in this episode Lots about Nate being gay. So we'll hit on those as they come up. Um, but I, for me, this was, like, mega clue number one. He's very uncomfortable in the locker room with all the Ds. And he tries uncomfortable super hard. Uncomfortable and kind of mad. He's to like, never, like, look at them. Well, he has his um, towel around his waist. So he's obviously also yeah. really mad. I think he's, like, pissed that they're doing that. Because he's he like, doesn't what like are it. you doing? He doesn't like it. And from what I... From what I've heard, it's very common for gay people to be uncomfortable in the locker room when there's a ton of dongs out. Like, Yeah, also, ew, the guy sitting um, down and his balls are, like, squashed ugh. against, like, the cold metal bench. Ugh. Gross, that's a yeah. horrible shot. And then we get the elephant dick in the shower. There's literally a guy standing. Yeah, the big gray one. If you rewatch Ooh. it, there's literally a, a, a 
quote unquote high schooler in the shower showering and he has this huge dick I mean it's a big penis and it's gray and wrinkled I've never seen a gray penis before it looks gray I would post it on Instagram but that's really not appropriate and it will get taken down but like legitimately it's disgusting it's uh yeah it's pretty gross um so, then, so we see a lot of dongs to me this is clue number one that uh our boy Nate is gay yeah um, and then we kind of rolled into his likes and dislikes about women which kind of mm-hmm. unravel and lead to him dating maddie but he kind of talks about like i you know i prefer flats over heels i prefer like a girl that's hairless like he essentially puts this image out of like a white suburban girl which is funny because maddie's not white <laughs> she's not very suburban but anyways yeah. He kind of um, does, though. And I, you already know my take. I really think he's kind of describing Jules. I didn't think that until I watched it this time. But I think he kind of describes a lot of attributes that Jules has, which also solidifies that he might be gay. Yeah, I kind of disagree on the it referencing Jules thing. To me, this like whole description of what he loves in women feels... This is kind of like clue number two that he's gay, for me at least, because I feel like this is like this very... like cultivated image of like what like a modern white suburban male should find to be like the hot ideal like housewifey woman so it's like fabricated it's not what he actually likes it feels like he adopted this because he feels like this is what he's supposed to like this is what a manly jock would like yeah uh it doesn't feel like or what his dad would like it doesn't feel genuine to me Hmm. Um, i wonder if it's what his dad would like too it feels like if you were like i just need to like come up with an idea of what i like in women and you were in like the white suburbs this is probably what you'd come up with totally so then it leads to you know us meeting maddie who i i have a lot of favorites in this show so i can't say she's my favorite because everyone's my favorite except for nate but I absolutely adore Maddie. She's so fucking amazing. Like, Alexa Demi also in real life is just fucking dope. But anyways, ongoing. Maddie, the question I have for you is, I'm very confused by Nate and Maddie because he does have a very weird attachment to her. Like, I don't think it's a lie. Meaning, I think their romance is a lie. But I do think he has a very strong connection to Maddie and a feeling of like ownership like losing Maddie to him like spiral he spirals when she's Mm. not like heeding to him so my question for you that I was going to put you on the spot I did not talk about this without before was like what are your thoughts on that do you agree or like what do you think why do you think that if you think Nate's gay and he's like obviously trying to hide that part of his life and kind of like have this fake relationship with Maddie why does he like when they show him shooting that guy he's like I picture like She's like, if he ever, like, she got kidnapped, like, he would fucking put a bullet through someone's head. Like, why does he have such a strong love for Maddie, even though it's not romance? Um, I don't know that I would even call it a love. I don't think he loves Maddie as a person. I think he is... Controlling, Obsessed. I think he's incredibly controlling, and I think he's obsessed with maintaining, like, the status of having Maddie as his girlfriend. Like, he has obviously identified her as, like, the peak girlfriend to have, and I think he's obsessed with, like maintaining that and like he's obviously an incredibly like paranoid and possessive person so even though i don't think he actually loves her i think he's still like exhibiting those qualities towards her to act as like the ideal boyfriend or like to like i think to put across this image that he's like the guy the man totally i agree i i 100 agree i was thinking the same thing so yeah i guess i i kind of did think that he kind of loved her not like romance but i think he kind of had a soft spot for her but maybe that's me just like trying to pick anything about nate that's kind of redeeming because maddie is really dope like she is the choking the shit out of her thing kind of like disqualifies that all for me so how about we continue this conversation though because it does intensify as per episode it Mm -hmm. does like their connection and their relationship intensifies i also think that the like he's gonna kill people for her thing is like very much he's kind of inherited this like intense paranoia from his father i think it's kind of like the inherited trauma thing like he's uh, like cal's pep talk with him definitely fucked him up he thinks there's like rapists out there ready to fucking kidnap maddie any day which is kind of he has this like he has the same like super paranoid like fucking crazy worldview cal does totally um yeah yeah, i just wanted to kind of ask you that and see what you thought but good i'm glad we unraveled that because that was some stuff i didn't actually think but yeah yeah, i agree with you i think it's definitely a thing and i also really quickly want to say i do think it's it's kind of a challenging and he probably feels really accomplished having maddie because she's so combative like it'd be a lot easier if someone just did everything you said to do but I almost think he likes the, like, fight. Like, he likes that she's like, fuck you, you're a dick. And then, like, walks away and, like, 
bangs a guy in the pool. Yeah, he's an idiot. He likes the drama. But he likes the, like, drama. Yeah, So, like, Maddie's totally. perfect for him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want a girl that's just gonna, like, he do his every need. It's, like, he kind of likes that she, like, challenges him. At least for now. They have a fucked up relationship, yeah. yeah. So then we go on to, we kind of both took a note that it's really bizarre that Nate has two brothers. <laughs> yeah, so we get a little more info on Nate's family here. Um, and they talk about his older brother, mm-hmm. who seems like he's, pro- every Nate hates him, but he seems like he's probably just a nice, normal dude. Yeah, we, we but, learn more about him in the carnival episode, and he honestly seems like a chiller. His name's Aaron. Yeah, and we know uh, from the picture, the family photo, that Nate also has a younger brother. Which is bizarre. We um, never even hear this, him utter a word. The younger brother is never named, or sh- I don't think he's ever shown in person in the show, but we'll have to revisit that. Maybe at the carnival? Um, I'm not I don't sure. I think so. So we'll see. But so I... his name is Beans. <laughs> his name's Beans, yes. <laughs> uh, so Beans, what's the deal with Beans? Is he dead? Is everyone in Nate's oh. family so fucked up because Beans is dead? Oh like, my God. I don't know. Maybe. That's actually a great conspiracy. Maybe that's why like the whole family is so fucked up. He clearly mom... made it to like maybe like age six or seven based on that photo, but like, I don't know. Do we see him after that? We'll have to like keep an eye out as we rewatch the show, but they never yeah. talk about him. They never talk about him. He never says him. anything. Never. Um, so, so yeah, we also find out from the scene that Nate fucking hates his mother, mm-hmm. um, which he is like probably not a surprise. Her. He's got like this weird fucked up, like reverse edible thing. Yeah. Look what is up. that? Alex, look it up. I'm not going to explain define what that look is. It no, up. But Nate ahead. clearly wants to, Nate wants, Go ahead and quickly explain. No, uh, but Nate wants to kill his mother and he wants to fuck his dad basically. Like he got has it. like this intense, like sexual obsession with his father um, and he, like, hates and despises and maybe wants to kill his mother, which is usually reversed, but, uh, in this case... Yeah, that is kind of weird. The sexual the... obsession is fixated on his father. It's very common in TV shows, especially, for the son to be closer to the mother. It's like a, you know, a mommy's boy, but he's yeah. absolutely not. So yep. then, the only other thing about Nate and Maddie that we kind of wanted to touch on was obviously, like, the sex... And it's really strange, and that also solidifies that Nate might be gay because he's always fucking her from behind. It looks mm-hmm. beyond forced. Yep. It just looks, like, miserable, honestly. Yeah, this is, like, clue number three, I think, in this episode for me, that Nate is probably gay. Um, he always has sex with Maddie from behind. It's never, like... Emotional. It's never emotional. Nope. It's never romantic. It's not, like, she is liking it. Like, maybe, like, Jules is into the dominant thing. Maddie's clearly, like, never enjoying their sex. No, she's always faking it. And also, yep. another really funny thing is a scene that we both love, which is when he asks if she's a virgin. She's wearing, like, the pink lingerie. Mm-hmm. And it's all, like, dreamlike and yeah. fantastical. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's weird, but it makes sense. He, like, has this weird fantasy of, like taking away her virginity and like being like dominant in that way yeah so that's funny and he also gets her that ugly hideous set of lingerie which also shows yeah and she goes ew i love that part god nate has no fucking taste (laughs) big surprise um so yeah he always has like really gnarly behind sex from her that's very impersonal and Mm -hmm. he could easily be having sex with a dude from his point of view and imagining a dude i don't know bad relationship all around yeah so then we go honestly transitions to rue sitting on the bus she's wearing sunglasses she's high as fuck and you see her head hit the fucking bus seat which is so funny there's a lot of memes about it um but then we go right into the credits and Sutton, like my daddy comes through which is such a fucking bop what a great song i fucking love that song um it's very relatable for me because i was in junior year of high school when that song came out my homie, my, like, degenerate school friend burned me a CD of the full album. Did he put um, it in a color case? No, it was in a clear case. <sighs> but it, I remember. What it was his very name? Very clearly. Kevin Cop. Shout Kevin out. Kevin Cop? What the fuck? He burned me, um, like, Father, Like Son, the Birdman and Lil Wayne album that that song is from. Kevin um, Cop, if you're listening, though, why didn't you use a colorful case? <laughs> Pissed. So next, uh, we've got the first day of school. And there's Rue looking uh, pretty miserable. And then, like <laughs> a ray of sunshine, Jules appears. It's so um, cute. Which, Very Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Great outfit at this point. Um, and this leads me to uh, issue a retraction from last episode where I thought that they only used Jules' green eyebrows for that one scene. I was wrong. Please forgive me. She has green eyebrows on the first day They're of school. They're kind of yellow. Uh, whatever they're still greenish yellow yeah. dyed eyebrows so i was wrong but great love the look it works better here than in the last episode too i think yeah her outfit's beautiful it's mm-hmm. great and it's so cute they smile at each other oh it's a good moment so then we kind of really quickly flash to them laying in bed together that night after the party and them tripping for the first time and i have a fun behind the scenes fact behind the scenes 
Yeah, I think this was shown on like a sometimes how you know how HBO does those like after the mm-hmm. show little things mm-hmm. on YouTube. They did it with Game of Thrones, but they did it with Euphoria as well. Uh, they talk about how in all those scenes where Jules and Rhea are laying in bed together, they're actually not laying in bed. They're standing up against a mattress that's like built into a wall, which I think is kind of weird because like that'd be really awkward to act because when you're laying in bed, it's like very cozy. And when you're like spooning someone or like cuddling like they are, it would, well, they're not like full on cuddling, but like it's pretty, it's an intimate scene. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're standing and, like, holding blankets up to their chin, that's really weird. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's weird. And they just, like, it looks so natural. So when you're watching mm. it again, if you guys are re-watching the show as we do this podcast, you should definitely look because it's, it's kind of funny to look at in picture. Yeah, you would never know. No, you would literally never know, which is why Euphoria is so fucking good. <laughs> um, so then we get the amazing tripping sequence, which is, like, iconic because we it's get great. the glitter eyes. I love it. They're in, under a fort, which is, like, pretty fun. I was uh, like, damn, maybe we should do that. Oh, I'm down. <laughs> I'm down to do some acid under some blankets. Yeah, that'd be fun, especially during quarantine. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Yeah, but, but it's a great scene. It captures, like, uh, it captures that moment when you're doing drugs and, like, something really normal seems really cool. And yeah, then like they kind faces. of, like, flash outside of them to show, like, what's really happening and they're just kind of, like, staring at each other and giggling like idiots. Yeah, it's kind of, Which like, is very accurate. You get the... I love when film does this. It's like you're in the moment with them, meaning, like, you can relate. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then it's all of a sudden you feel like a third a third wheel uh-huh. watching them and you're like this is so stupid <laughs> yeah they're just like looking at each other like, uh, like yeah <laughs> it's like beavis and butthead under it's a pretty fort. great yeah. and also very accurate but really cute and it's like honestly too i didn't think about this until now but it's also probably weird for jules because she doesn't know really anything about rue in terms of like her history at this point so to her it's probably like yeah. Not a big deal. Meaning, like, them getting high together is, like, what you would do normally with people in high school. Like Yeah, they're chilling. Yeah, so it's not as deep as it gets later on. Yep. So then we have this really intense moment where Rue kind of describes her journey with drugs. Um, yeah, we get a great line from Rue um, where she says, drugs are kind of cool. Um, and then she's like, until they're not. Until Which they're not. is probably like some of the greatest realist wisdom on this whole show yeah for all you high schoolers Um, you better listen to rue because like (laughs) it's true like drugs are super cool but you also have to be super super careful because the line of like going too far and fucking up your entire life is like very hard question for you hard hitting question hit me and i'm only asking you this because i know your history with drugs hit me do you think it's better for kids to wait well no i don't want you to weigh in too much because i don't want to have any persuasion over our fans but like in your experience would you have rather done drugs in college or high school college and this is not telling people what to do college all i was thinking when i was watching this i was like i'm pretty open-minded and i do want my kids to experience this maybe later on but like i think high school is way too early to be doing this shit i didn't do drugs till college because you don't know enough about yourself you don't know if you're an addict you don't know if like those things I feel like when you're young, you're not quite sure of yourself, and you don't know if you have those addictive behaviors. Yeah, and also on, like, a purely scientific level, your brain is developing up till the time you're about 25, and any drugs you're doing are going to affect that. Kids, are you um, listening to this? Kids? And, <laughs> like, sometimes I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have done drugs when I was 18, but, like, I don't really, I don't have a problem with it, but... I know, I kind of um, put you on the spot, but I was just curious, because, like, if we ever have kids, I'm like, shit, I hope they're not doing fucking drugs when I, they're in high school. All I'm gonna do is be like, don't until you're, like... In college. Don't until you're 18, then I don't really give a shit. But, like, I mean, I love smoking weed, but smoking weed can definitely impact your brain development if you're smoking when I was you're, talking like, a child. More acid like, and when like, you're in high school, like... Um, but I'm saying like sh- Molly and stuff. Like, that, I think yeah. you should wait till you're in college. I don't know. I'm not sure how those impact your brain development, but from, like, a, from like a social standpoint... Yeah, just beware. Probably, like I said, this probably is not advice. <laughs> probs wait till college. Totally. Um, so, anyways, so then... We get this really horrific scene. It's like a flash to Rue throwing up. She's OD'd. And Gia's like sobbing her sister. Mm-hmm. Which Rue I think has crossed the line. She's, cro- she's gone she too has... far. Drugs are no longer cool. No, they are not cool. And it's really, really sad because this is our first kind of glimpse into their sisterhood and seeing how much this affects Gia. And I think Gia's actually weirdly one of my favorite characters, even though she's so minor in this. I think she'll have a lot more in season two. But I think it's kind of, she's kind of a baller. Meaning, like, she really handles it well. And her and Rue have a really deep, like, cute relationship together as sisters. 
So I don't know. I kind of like that scene because you just see how much she cares for Rue, but she's not like judgmental of Rue, if that makes sense. She'll mm-hmm. hold it against her. Yeah. Which I think is kind of honorable. So Gia, shout out. <laughs> okay, so after that, we don't really go too far into the OD. It's just like a quick glimpse, and then we're here on the first day of school, which is like everyone's Back to school. worst nightmare. Even if you're popular, like the first day of school fucking sucks. The first day of school, 100% fucking sucks. A ton At of anxiety. It sure does. I know, and you and I have very different experiences, which I think I mentioned this last time. I think you and I will do a whole separate episode based on our high school experiences mm, and how damn. they compare to Euphoria. I think that could yep. be really fun. Yeah, but my high school experience was fucking awful. The first day of school was usually preceded by, like, a week of me, like, begging my parents not to send me back to school. That's so sad. And, like, fighting with them for about a week straight, and then I go back to school and I hated it. So... And mine was, like, I had to wear my... first day back is a lot better than mine. I was more Maddie and Cassie. I had to wear my cheer uniform the first day of school. Oh, my God. I wasn't... No, but I wasn't, like, a basic cheerleader. My mom, A, forced me to fucking be on cheer. I did not want to do it, but I did gymnastics growing up, so I was like, fuck it, I'll do it. And I actually met a lot of really dope people, so it ended up being, like, a good thing. We'll get into that in our episode that we might do about high school. Yeah. But we had very different experiences, so it's really cute. We see them, like, all kind of, like, gathering together, exchanging Mm -hmm. stories from the summer, which includes the party where Maddie and and Tyler fuck in the Mm -hmm. pool. Yep. And uh, also, and for the first time, our girl, Jeweling Janice. Jeweling Janice. She's named on screen for the first time. They say her name, BB. There she is. She's being ratchet as fuck, like usual. Yeah, she's like a... We'll still call her Jeweling Janice because I feel like... I don't know. We'll go back and forth, so don't get confused. But BB's her real name. BB's got Mm -hmm. a big mouth, we learn, because... No surprise. Essentially, every, like, rumor that goes on, it does always lead back to BB kind of weirdly. We'll learn that more later, but, like, BB has a big fucking mouth. (laughs) She's funny, though, so I'm okay with it. (laughs) But um, I like also the part when she's, like... They're all kind of, like, exchanging stories from that night, and she's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, you guys don't remember shit because you both was fucking... And she's obviously talking about Kat and Maddie. Yep. So I just think all around she's ratchet and really funny. Yeah, she's I'm ratchet. here for BB. I, ho- I would love to get her on our podcast. That would be so Let's funny. Let's see if we can. Who knows? We'll DM her. Yeah. Anything can happen. Big dreams can happen. So <laughs> then we quickly get introduced to Ethan. Yeah, Cat's I stand class. Ethan. Um, Ethan is way too cute for Cat. He's a gem. Wait, wait, wait. Love Take him. it back. Cute physical appearance or like cute like he has a good no, like all around like he's because that's a little like around. harsh to be like she's no, not I don't, valuable I don't mean physically like Ethan. he's a he's a nerdy little guy like i just mean like he's he's too much of a sweetheart he's a gem i love him and cat's not no oh my god okay i cat's out fucking alex like, dirty and, I, no, and like no. pig men Al- on skype <laughs> alex and i will get in multiple fights throughout this podcast about my feelings for cat versus his he really does not stand cat and i fucking hate it We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But Ethan is introduced. He's a gem. He's wearing a medieval time shirt, which let me go into this saying, I've been to medieval times. It's a fucking shit show. If any of you don't know what this is, it's essentially, Alex really wants to go. I don't know why. I want to go really bad. I don't know why. But it's in Anaheim, California and like this really janky part. There's a bunch of them. They're all over. Well, when I went, I was in eighth grade, and there was literally only one in Anaheim. Like, you, people travel from all over the world to go to this fucking medieval <laughs> times. It was so stupid. We went on a school field trip. You essentially, like, sit in this little mini arena, and you get fed, like, a quote-unquote medieval dinner. Okay, no. It's, like, a moldy old, like, turkey leg and some <laughs> gross, like, cream of corn and, like, some beans. It's a know. feast page, okay? Nah, it's a medieval feast. Whatever. It's, like, beans and mush, and you get to eat it and watch these fake actors joust on horses, and it's... It's literally they have embarrassing. Jousting. It's like knights, asleep. like knights fight, and there's jousting, and there's like a fake dragon or some shit. Well, it's... I was on a field trip. We drove six hours to do this, so imagine my disappointment when I'm thinking this is going to be really great, and I drive six hours to eat mush and a moldy turkey leg to watch two people <laughs> on horses yell at each other and speak in horrible accents. So... And joust, and then they joust. They hit each other with big poles on I fell horseback. Asleep. That's great. So That's I drooled on like... my sweater. My friends have a photo of me. I, I should probably try and find it. It'd be really hard to find, but like. I literally drooled all over my sweater. It was so boring. I fell asleep. And we went to Disneyland the next day, so I was redeemed. But it was a horrible experience, and Alex really wants to go. So I'm thinking, I have this great trip planned to Turks and Caicos for his birthday, but I'm thinking Big 30, Medieval Times. Nah, fuck it. I want to get really stoked and go to Medieval Times and eat that turkey leg and watch that jousting. Bring it on. So anyways, then we meet Ethan. He's cute. Whatever. We'll move on. 
We move on to Rue in drama, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Drama oh, class. Yep. She's on stage. She gets called up by her fucking dumbass teacher. Fuck this teacher, though. For real. What a piece of shit. I Rue mean, is so, so clearly, like, traumatized, uncomfortable, doesn't want to do this anxiety attack like and also the we is still know the teacher her. knows about her od the whole fucking school knows about it so Even like if she doesn't she's being a real fuck yeah it's stupid so she puts her on stage and she's clearly struggle bus like yeah it's bad yep. um but the lights I... go out we've got the single spotlight on rue um and this is one of those moments where for me this is kind of one of the more like fantasy moments of the show yeah like, Shakespearean. i doubt i doubt it was like pitch black and there was one single spotlight on rue actually but it's very impressionistic about what it feels like to be on stage like under the spotlight getting grilled by a teacher Sweating. in front of a crowd like the yeah. stress is real her eyes literally twitching zendaya executes She's this feeling scene. rough like yeah queen zendaya executes this scene just like flawlessly like yeah it, she's great you feel the anxiety, you feel the stress. It's like it's like mm-hmm. when you're giving a public speech and you feel like you're about to throw up. Like it's just it's so sad. I like, yeah. I almost cry every time when I watch it. It's an I'm not lying because I like scene. I think if that was my kid, you know, and I'd be uh, like, yeah. I would hope that fucking teacher would be like, oh honey, like you don't look like you know, or I would just be like, oh honey, it's okay, like sit down, Pull take a break, take a breather, like, get a glass of water. But no. no, so Miss I don't know Miss motherfucker is a shithead <laughs> and makes <laughs> makes Zendaya stay up on stage. We hate it. Yep. So she obviously tells a little bit about her story because she's pressured so harshly by Miss well, we Motherfucker. Get the flash. She doesn't say anything, but we get a flashback. No, she says, I remember me and my sister were listening to a song. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. the song we actually both love. Yeah, there's a great, uh, a really good Fly Me to the Moon cover by soul legend Bobby Womack. Yeah, who's Bobby Womack? I don't know anything about him. He's just a great old school soul singer. He did like Across 110th Street. He was on the Gorillaz album. He died a couple years back. Um, But he was like a a great singer. And this is a great cover of Fly Me to the Moon. It's probably my second favorite cover after the one and the end credits of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Ooh, anime. Um, yeah, Jules is a huge anime fan. If you are also an anime fan and watch Neon Genesis, like you know what I'm talking about. It's a great cover. Okay, well then on our Instagram music post, we'll we'll plug both. Why not? Yeah, sure. Okay. So yeah, we'll let you know. But anyways, we go into this scene. I, the only other thing I kind of want to talk about in this scene was just like how close you get to see the family. Like you notice that her mom clearly has so much love for Rue. Like she really is a baller mom for all that she's had to go through. And Gia. So, like, the three of them have a really fun relationship. Like, they're dancing in the car. It's just, like, it's kind of cute. You get to see a more happy time with them. Mm-hmm. But then I had a, another fun uh, behind-the-scenes fact. Um, I don't remember where I found this out, but it was definitely in... It was directly from the words of Sam Levinson. So, he said that he was super impressed with the actress who plays the mom and then Zendaya. They were asked to essentially improv a fight. And the fight, like, was intense, and they got it on the first take and didn't have to do it again. And she, like, literally, Zendaya, like, knocks a fucking, like, frame off the wall and, like, pulls up, like, a glass shard and, like, shakes it at the actors. And the mom who plays, I need to get her name for next time around, but, like, she's baller because she's in the improv. She, like, had no idea she was going to do that, so she was like, oh, fuck. So her reaction's, like, very, very real. She Mm -hmm. was like, oh, shit, like, there's a fucking glass shard, like, aimed at my neck by Zendaya, who's, like, heated and, like, almost crying. Yeah. So, I don't know. I thought that was kind of fun. And they only shot that once, right? Only once. And I love hearing shit like that, because that's when you know, like, this cast is just, like, fucking phenomenal. Cause, like, yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. That's an amazing scene. It's, like, so intense. Yeah, and then uh, also during the flashbacks, I think it's noteworthy that Rue uh, has two great outfits in the flashbacks. Oh, yeah, like, she's got, these. when she's doing drugs, she's got on, like, this glittery, glittery, super, like, glam Literally. green top um, <laughs> that works super well. And then in the fight scene with the mom, she's got on, like, a yellow sweatsuit, like a matching hoodie and sweats that also cool. looks great. So I feel like Rue gets a lot of, like, flack for having bad style. But my theory is that Rue only has bad style at school because she, she doesn't it. give a fuck. And outside yeah. of school, so far at least, it seems like she's dressing pretty fly. So yeah. shout out Rue. Her style's better than people give her credit for. I agree. She just I doesn't agree. give a fuck about school, which I can identify with. I can't, but, like, glad that you can identify with that. I'm, I'm you know, I love that for you. <laughs> So, <laughs> after Rue's style, um, we kind of, we both decided to just kind of talk about Lexi here. I mean, Lexi is a great character. She's definitely not neglected, but I do think we're, I'm hoping she gets her own name title and episode in season two. I'm not sure if she will, but like, I would kind of love that for her. Rooting for you, Lexi. Maude Apatow. How do you say her last name? Apatow. Apatow? Mm-hmm. 
Love her. Um, she's such an angel. But anyways, in this scene, she, first of all, is a badass. She turns to those motherfuckers in her class who are, like, essentially talking shit on Rue, and she's, like, at her worst place on the stage. And she goes, well, that was rude. And they both, like, shut the fuck up, so it's great. Yeah, and then she's a she great chases friend. she chases Rue to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. She's um, a good friend. Great friend. Stands up for her. Sadly, Rue has to waste some drugs because she gets freaked out. R.I.P. Yeah, drugs, blue drug, some kind of blue drug. She crushes it, it up. It was with a adult. crushed up pill, some pharmaceutical. Which is weird. We talked about this. Like, why does she do that? Like, why does she flush it all down the toilet? Like, she's meaning, just paranoid. She should have when the, when someone knocks on your stall, you just go, "Who is it?" And if it's a teacher, then fuck yeah, like flush that shit. Yeah, like, or like swipe it back in the bag and throw it in your shoe yeah, or something. Who but. knows? She was just paranoid and anxious. Yeah. So she does that, and then we just love Lexi and. You liked her outfit in this. Yeah, Lexi in this scene has a great sweater. It's like a knit sweater with a hot air balloon on it, which is like very funny and she has kind red of silly, lips. but I love it. Like, do it you looks remember great. she has a red? Mm-hmm. She has like bold. It red totally lipstick. works for her. It's like a fun, like kind of like vintagey, thrifty looking sweater. I'm into it. Yeah, it's and good. the only other thing, the only other thing I have to say that's very meaningful is I think Lexi is a true friend. You know, through. She just goes through it all with Rue, and I think it's important that she, like, I kind of like that she called Rue out on her shit, on her bullshit. She was like, yo, yeah. like, fucking show up my my house asking for piss, and I do it, and then now you're like, you're not my fucking best friend, back off. It's like, wow, fuck you, like. Yeah, Rue's rough to Lexi. Rue's yeah. very manipulative towards her. She treats her kind of like She uses her. Yeah, she totally uses her. And um, you know what? I actually, I didn't think about this till now, but I don't really think she ever redeems herself of that. No, I don't think so She either. never apologizes to her, right? No, I don't think so. We'll talk about we'll it see. more later on. We'll see as we go, but uh, yeah. But the only other thing I want to end on the whole Lexi thing is I do think she's a very strong character. I don't think that she's someone that we're just like done learning about. I think it'll evolve, and there's a lot of fan theories that she might like Rue more than a friend. And mm, I don't disagree. think we need to delve into it now, but I think it just plant the seed. Mm-hmm. We'll water it as we go through episode for episode, but mm-hmm. I do think Lexi might have a crush on Rue. Oh, I'm skeptical of that. I mean, like I said, we'll continue in the next couple episodes. We'll see. So then we get this really beautiful scene of Rue riding her bike to, I don't know, what, Drug Anonymous? Like, what like do you a, even call it? Like rehab? A, a drug rehab program. It's like not a rehab, I guess. Program. It's a, yeah, it's a... Drug abuse program. program. But she's riding her bike, and I think it's very iconic. There's always this neon cross in the distance. It's like a light blue neon cross. It really reminds me of Justice, the DJ, which maybe we'll also add that to our playlist just for fun. Yeah, why not? Throw some Justice I mean, on there. The millennials need to know about Justice, justice if they don't already. The but millennials know about Justice. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know Alex. Gen Z might not. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's a great, it's just like a really cool visual. I think it's like really, I don't know. I just really like it. But we get yeah. her going to this. It's also very reminiscent of uh, the 1990s Romeo and Juliet with Leo. Ooh, you're right. A lot you're of right. crosses in there. So then she gets there. And then she meets, well, she doesn't meet, but she hears Ali speak for the first time. Yeah, we're introduced to Ali, who later becomes, like, her homie and I think her sponsor. Um, Not much to say here at this point, Um, although there is a a very, like, prevalent theory that Ali is a ghost. Um, Yeah, a lot of super fans, I don't know that I buy this theory, um, but do you buy it? I would love to hear your thoughts. Let us know what you think. Like, is Ali a ghost? I don't know. Yeah, we'll put it in our Insta story. And I think as we go through episodes, you might think differently, but... I'm with you. I don't we'll, really... We'll keep it in mind as we keep watching. Yeah, but for now, I'm a no I don't think he is. I think he's pretty real. Yeah. So then we have this really kind of like... I, I want to call it sweet, but I actually think it's kind of depressing as well. But it's essentially really the first time Rue's introduced to drugs, which is... She's like... I think she says she's 13. I'm not specific on that, but I, I'm pretty positive she Something says she's 13 like years old. She's there with her dad, who clearly has cancer and is on his deathbed his last days, and he has to take all these prescription drugs. I mean, she literally has to, like, damp his lips with a washcloth and, like, apply chapstick. Like, he essentially is a vegetable at this point. He can't do a lot. Awful, awful, awful. She opens this drawer of prescription drugs. You can tell there's a lot of curiosity there. So I just found this, like, pretty pretty telling of Rue's story because it you almost feel even more bad for her at this point because it's not like she was some idiot kid that went to a party and was like <laughs> like I'm gonna pop Molly I wonder what this is like and then is addicted she's obviously like very troubled very sad she's having to deal with something like so traumatic at such a young age and she finds you know she sees her dad on drugs and he looks kind of loopy and like he's kind of having fun so I think it's it's definitely like I can't say I wouldn't do that 
what do you think like yeah it's a curiosity thing for her plus she's like in a bad place in life so it's no surprise that she ends up a drug addict yeah Um, i just think it's really sweet because they have this like tender moment where they're watching a black and white film and they're both like clearly very high and they're like giggling at it and she's like oh this is like the best night ever isn't it and her dad's like yeah this is like a really good night that's like really bittersweet so like Mm -hmm. her first time with drugs isn't bad i guess is what i'm trying to say it's actually kind of like it makes sense that she's addicted it's like it's a really good time like she have probably has the best night she's had with her dad it's complicated yeah it's a it's a complicated relationship with drugs yeah like Um, when you i mean if my dad was fucking dying of cancer in bed like i'd be getting high with them every night like i just feel like that'd be the only way you could get through it <laughs> yeah probs. you wouldn't want to sit there and be it's, sober yeah, talk about I mean, it it's a bad time but uh yeah no surprise that she is uh not doesn't have the greatest relationship with drugs based on her first time being with her dying dad totally so then we explode into the sex tape with cat we explode into the <laughs> sex tape also like thoughts on the sex tape it's pretty funny it's all like red toned you can barely see, really realistically, you can't see a lot other than the back of her head, but everybody knows it's her. Like, it's very obvious it's Kat. Yeah. Um, There's no secret there. And, like, this is why you don't fuck McLovin, a.k.a. Um, the the scrawny white guy. With the uh, With the little, like, peach fuzz mustache and his shirt off, whose actual name is Wes, apparently. Um, he's sitting in that love sack in the party. In yeah, that, but in he's basically, room. like, McLovin, but, like, even worse and grosser. Yeah, he's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, not a proud moment for her. It's obviously humiliating in the first place to have a sex tape released of you, but to It's have humiliating it be McLovin, to fuck McLovin in the first place. And then to have a tape of it is real bad. It's real bad. So she's in fucking crisis mode. It is, like, all hands on deck. We need to resolve this now. Yeah. So she goes to tie her shoe and is, like, Yeah, she does the least, like, unsubtle whisper to either Roy or Troy. We're not sure which one. Although we usually refer to them as Tio and Tamaro. Yes, based on the sister, sister. Yeah, Tio and Tamaro. So we're also, not she, sure wait, which fun one fact. this is. But... I just thought of this. Fun fact. Tio and Tamaro went to our college. They did. True. Pepperdine, shout out. Pepperdine. Go Waves. I saw one of them speak at Convo one time. You not did sure not? Which one. Oh yeah, freshman year. Really quick, for we any of our listeners yet. that don't know, Convo's this weird like church service that you have to go to. It's so fucking stupid. It's Alex really and I are stupid. not Christian, so sorry if you are. Like, You should probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast <laughs> if you are. It's really explicit. But we went to an all-Christian school called Pepperdine. Look it up. It's in Malibu. Zoe 101 was filmed there. It's it's really quite iconic. We loved it. But iconic. Like, but we did have to go to this like weird church service called Convo, and we always fell asleep during yeah, it. Yeah, it was stupid. And apparently Alex is just now telling me that he met Tia and Tamara there. I didn't meet them. I saw one of them speak. But yeah. Did you wink at them or like say what up or? I did not. Wow. No. Really missing out, Alex. <laughs> was not uh, was not particularly what a excited about that. For Alex. Sorry, <laughs> sorry guys. So, anyways, we get Tio and Tamaro, and she's like, pss, 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 like, hey, we need to fucking talk. She's pissed because she knows they they're the ones that spread the rumor. Yeah, and or they're they're at least involved. And which no, they are. One... They're the only ones from her school that were in that room. The rest were private school kids, so they're the only mm. ones that could have spread it to her school. Mm, okay. So they are the ones. Yeah. And then whichever one it is, it seems like they're like kind of decent about trying to fix things. They like, are. They don't. They're, they're not trying to fix the rumor. They're down to like take stuff down. They're buying her makeup or whatever, um, mm. which is kind of a bummer because they, whichever one it is, seems like they're kind of cool. Like not cool, but like they seem like they're a decent person this episode. But then they both end up being huge fucks later in the show. Totally. So. It's also funny because remember when I don't we don't know if it's Roy or Troy, whichever one it is. If one of you can figure it out, like fuck, let me know. That'd be kind of a cool <laughs> thing. But like one of them, when she's like talking to them, she's like, "This could be labeled as child pornography, and you could go to jail." And he's like, "Uh, cat, like I'm not a fucking idiot. Like children can't make child pornography." <laughs> and she's literally like, "You are so fucking stupid. Yes, this is a real thing. Like you're an idiot." I don't yeah. know why. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, also because he's so sincere, he's literally that big of an idiot that he's like, nah, like children can't make child pornography, cat. Like, he's very matter of fact about that. Which, of course, you can still get in a shit ton of trouble for like making and distributing child pornography, even if you're and circulating a sex tape of a minor. Absolutely. Also, I never really thought about this, but Pornhub would really be on the hook for this because they're hosting like a minor's like sex tape, which is child porn. But it's not Pornhub, it's like Pornhumper because it's a fake site. I think it's Pornhub, I think they use actual Pornhub in the show. I'm pretty sure they do. You think it's cross-marketing? I don't, I don't know, but I'm pretty They'd sure they use... They'd have to pay use, a lot for Pornhub to be on I there. think they use actual Pornhub. I'll bet money. We'll, we'll check on it. We'll let you know. Yep. Um. So anyways, so moving on from that, though, she gets called in, which 
You know what else is funny that I didn't, I wasn't planning on saying, but I will say real quick is that Jules texts her during the scene and is like, hey, yo, is that you in that sex tape? And she flat out is like, nah, dude, like, it ain't me. Like, I don't fuck private school. Like, she calls him something like private school tards or like something really oh my stupid. God. Yeah, good one, cat. And, uh, or no, bro tards. She bro says bro tards, tards well, I think. You did fuck a bro tard. And it's like, no, you did though. Yeah. And he's McLovin, which is even worse. He's yeah. not even like a hot bro tard. Nah. He's like an idiot nah, bro tard. Yeah, it's bad. So then Principal Hayes gets over the mic and it's like, Cat, bleep, 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 come yeah. to the office. <laughs> and Principal Hayes just completely like botches this. Fumbles the like handling of this. He's a total goon. He just completely botches <laughs> it in every way possible. He's just unprofessional. It's like, yo, like as an adult, you don't fucking talk to a minor about a sex tape that's outside of like school premises. Like that's on Instagram or wherever it was posted. Like, or even if, Pornhub, it, if whatever. something needed to be said about it, he does it in the worst way possible. So he just totally like botches so, it. So no justice for Principal Hayes. He's a nah, complete he's an fucking idiot. idiot. He's a goon. We hate him. Yep. But then you wanted to really quickly like laugh about how yeah, she like. Yeah, um, Kat responds by <laughs> claiming that uh, all of this has been body terrorism, which is completely ludicrous. And Principal Hayes is such an idiot that he is just like floored by this and like completely taken aback and just like gives in. But like, I will say, my end note on that is I agree with you. I absolutely agree. I think it's so fucking stupid. It's like a little over the top to call it body terrorism. That's a really like. <laughs> That's a very strong word. Like, terrorism? I'm sorry. I attribute that with, like, 9-11. Like, I don't tr- attribute that with, I mean, it's a with, ludicrous like, phrase. I'm not, I'm not attributing terrorism with uh, body positivity. Like, no. No. So, the only thing I will say, though, is I, to sum this up, I think Kat handles it excellently, though. If that's even a word. Is excellently a word? Um, yeah. It is? Okay. Yeah. It sounded weird. So, I think she handles it the best way she can. And honestly, at that age, I can say I would have just cried in my room, felt horrible about myself, like, been so self-conscious. I would have, like, literally stayed home pretending I was sick. Kat goes in, like, guns blazing. Like, attacks Roy and Troy or whoever the fuck that is. Attacks Principal Hayes. Shuts him down. She says, like, terrorism and shit, which is weird. Yeah, but, like, she, she does, shuts like, it down. decent damage control. And she owns the principal and she it. gets everyone to say that, like, she gets Roy or Troy to, like, squash the rumor or try to. And yeah. obviously none of this is going to work, but she's going about it in probably the best way she can, so. Um, yes, and let's all remember, lest us all remember, she gets a full new set of Sephora makeup, which is mm. a huge It win. was all worth it for the <laughs> makeup. <laughs> it absolutely was. Any, any girl would agree. Yeah. So then, after this, we kind of wanted to talk about the orange grove scene which is so cute yes very cute ruin jewels riding their bikes through the beautiful whatever orange grove i don't know <laughs> they're doing the thing oh jules has cool pants in the scene yeah jules like, looks it's great just cool. it's, it's a, a super scene. cute scene jules is talking about like going having family dinner with her dad which is cute and then rue's talking about her mom and jules is kind of like oh you're talking to your mom about me and they have like kind of a cute like flirty moment where they're talking about like totally. telling their parents about each other and stuff which is kind of like an early hint at them having a little bit of a thing going on it's, it's also cute. between hunter and zendaya acting this it's also incredible what good chemistry that like it is very believable that they're like kind of like flirting which i think is they for sure have chemistry they do just i just will always say this though i really think they like kill it in the chemistry zone because i think this relationship could be really awkward in any other show and we've seen it no i feel it we've seen the stupid shows that try and make like gay relationships play out a certain way and they really just like nail it it feels so normal they don't, like, overplay the fact mm-hmm. that they both come from different backgrounds, have different sexualities, whatever they may be. I just like that it's very organic. Mm-hmm. Agreed. They have, like, some very real chemistry, and I feel it. And then Jules is just like, yeah, I'm probably just going home to watch some Madoka Magica, um, which apparently is an anime um, where a girl is offered a wish in exchange for a commitment to battling witches, a group of magical mm-hmm. beings whose souls have been tainted by darkness. I've never watched this. Um, well, it's out to the list. If you guys have, is it worth the watch? It's got good reviews. I don't know. Quarantine and chill. Let's watch it. Looks watch like it. it's about a bunch of like teen witches. I don't know. Maybe next episode three. Maybe we'll give a little blip about what we think. Maybe we'll watch an episode. Yeah. Are you guys watching Madoka Magica? Is it worth it? I don't know. Let we us won't know. go into it, but like maybe we'll say like yay or nay. Yeah. Um. So then after this, we'll we, we chose not to talk about this too much because like honestly, I don't care. I hate Nate this much. This scene is important, though. Like, he essentially beats Tyler to a fucking pulp for fucking Maddie in the pool. Yeah, Nate's been stalking Tyler the whole episode. He breaks into his house. He beats the shit out of him. Um, Tyler, poor, poor Tyler. He's so stupid. He has so many chances (laughs) to escape or play this differently. Um, But he doesn't. He just gets wrecked by Tyler or by Nate. Um, But not only does he get... 
Poor Tyler. Not only does he, he get wrecked, though. No, but you and I agree. Like, there were multiple times he could have fucking escaped. Oh, yeah. He was an idiot. He had so many chances. He answered too many questions. When it was like, well, do you know what you did? It's like, at that point, get the fuck I mean, out of the apartment. I mean, if you walk into your house and some guy is there, you should just run immediately into your bedroom and lock the door or run right back out of yep. your house. Like, whatever. Like, exactly. Call 911. Get the fuck out of there. So then the only other thing I will say about that is I do think it's... It's not only, like, really sad, but in that, I I do also have to redeem myself because I think last episode I said that... Maybe I didn't. I think I did, though. I think I said that I didn't think they fucked Maddie and Tyler. But we now absolutely know they did because Tyler pretty much admits yes, but he's like, dude, she, like, literally asked me to. Like, this wasn't even, like, flirtatious. She literally told me to fuck her in the pool. Yeah. So, Um, moving on, that's really Well, we also, in this scene, get another, uh, we get another clue, clue number four or five, that Nate is gay, um, which is that he calls Tyler the F word, a fag. um, Oh, you're right. Which is, again, like, pretty pretty common for closeted, like, especially super closeted, like, hyper-masculine dudes to be, like, Mm ultra-homophobic, so, like, no surprise here, but this is probably, like, a big hint. Good point. Nate is gay. Yep. So then we have McKay and Cassie. Yes. God, McKay is so fucking whack. He really is. And there really isn't much to delve into on this because it's so surface level. But it's quite sad that here they are in this long distance relationship. I've actually been in this boat. I've been in college and have had a boyfriend in high school. So it's like when you see each other for the first time, like, trust me, you're not trying to like fucking talk about shit. Like you're either banging or or you're doing something sexual. But like there's a lot of like tension. You're young. You're stupid. You're not, like, there to, like, shoot the shit and, like, talk about your day at school. It's, like, boring. And here's McKay talking about football and his day at school. Not even just, like, talking about football. He's just, A, like, bragging about his stats and then, B, like, complaining about his coach. Like, he's just being a little whiny bitch. And then Cassie, who is way too fucking cool for McKay, is, like do you want to kill your coach? Like, let's kill him. Like, which is super cool. And to which McKay should immediately be like, yeah, let's kill him. Like, and then let's bone on this couch. And instead he's just like, like I'm trying to have a real ass conversation with yeah, you. And he like, shuts her down. Really? Like, it's really bad. Like, here's the thing. Like we learn later about Cassie's background and why she's like this, but like also what do you, what is she like? I mean, I think that's pretty normal. Meaning, like I said, you haven't seen your boyfriend in a while. You're long distance. So, yeah, she wants to, like, have sex or be cute or, like, straddle him and, like, be, like, sexy. She's being cool. Nothing wrong with that. Like, she's owning her womanhood and, like, being hot. Like, who cares? He's such a bitch. And then, like, also his... He's Stan Cassie 100%. This, like, real-ass conversation he wants to be having is not a real-ass conversation. It's just a one-sided situation where he's just complaining. About football staff. This is not a conversation. This is just you wanting to fucking complain and wanting Cassie to just sit there and listen to your football, like, bullshit. also like cassie could sit here and unload her background about her drug addict dad and all her life and be like poor me poor me and instead she's sitting there trying to be hot and you're talking about your football stats get a fucking life not a real ass conversation mckay is fucking whack he's whack so moving on to our kind of like what ends the episode is really us introduced to mouse who's the fucking scary ass yeah rue forces her way into fezco's house he's all nervous because mouse is coming over and holy shit mouse is one of the scariest drug dealers i have ever seen in anything ever which is kind of crazy i I didn't personally think this but alex i trust more because he's seen a lot more like He's, he's seen more TV shows and films with drug dealers than I have, so I, I trust you, because you would not say that if you didn't mean it. He's fucking scary. He's scary because he's that type that's scary where he'll do that type of shit. Like, he does that type of, like, fucked up, unpredictable shit. Like, I'm going to make you get high, and then I'm going to make you give me money for getting yeah, high. And if you don't have up. money, like, you're going to have to fuck me. Like, that's that and, type well, of, like... Well, and they have guns and That's, like, some scary... Good. That's some scary but shit. But we see Ashtray and Alex was, like, laughing because he's like, whoa, he has this weird face tat that says AI. What does that mean? Yeah, you can see in this episode ashtray's face that says ai i'm curious if we'll ever know what that means i joked like it's obviously not artificial intelligence maybe <laughs> it, could it is though. i don't know maybe, maybe ashtray like loves aliens. ai or knows? it's ashtray ivan <laughs> ivan's ashtray his last name ivan. yes definitely <laughs> that no i'm just making something up what do y'all think it stands for who i knows? don't know who knows but then my question for you was obviously he makes rue take fentanyl which when i watch this i don't even really know what that is so 
can you, if you don't mind giving me a quick blip of, like, what the fuck is fentanyl, and should she have survived this, taking that amount? I mean, yeah, she takes a super small amount, like, basically, like, a drop. Um, so but isn't that it, a it shit makes, ton? It makes sense that she survives, but fentanyl is super fucking scary. Like, fentanyl is an opioid derivative, and it's about 100 times stronger than morphine, which is what they give you in the hospital when you, like have your arm blown off or something like the worst pain you could be in they give you morphine so this is a hundred okay. times stronger than the shit they give Damn. you so um, it's not like a fun drug like, and why, like, do, why do people do it no then? it's not a fun drug and Just most like most od like a large portion of ods are when people think they're doing heroin and really it's like either laced with fentanyl or it is fentanyl Damn. Um, and then they just die because your body literally just can't That's handle awful. how fucked up and strong. So that she's shit really is. lucky so she has supportive really... people around her that help her through it. Yeah, it's scary shit. And Fez, Fez, grabs knows, another Fez is a Fez is a super smart dude. He knows not to fuck with fentanyl. He knows that's bad because people, like he says, like people are gonna die, and he doesn't need the heat of like people dying and the cops like looking into why people are dying. So he doesn't fuck with it. He's also a super smart dude because he keeps Narcan around because um, he tells Ashtray to go grab the Narcan. It's like a, it's a drug that you can give someone on the, when they're ODing to like basically bring them back from the brink of death. Like mm, wow. if you are about to die of an overdose, you can give someone Narcan and it saves their life. Got it. So then after that, you know, honestly, everyone's just in a fucking bad place at the end of the episode. We've got, let me just, let me just list it out for you. We've got, you know, Maddie, she's going back to Nate and being a real dipshit. I mean, who wants to date Nate? He's a fuck. Nate's always in a dark place because it's just Nate. Jules gets her first text from Shy Guy 118, which is Nate. We all know that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she's not there yet, but she's going down a dark path. Yep. Rue fucking, you know, we see her OD and we see her still doing drugs and she does fentanyl. <laughs> it's like, ugh. She's going and down she's a dark causing path. Fezco trouble, which I is love sad. Her, Don't fuck with Fezco. Yeah, like she's causing trouble. And then Fezco's on a dark path because... Fezco's in the whole $600 now because he's looking out for Rue and being a good dude. Yeah. So, that so him sucks. and Ashtray are in a hole because like their business is behind now. So Yeah, he just had to fork over 600 bucks. He should keep that receipt. Like, keep that receipt and give it back to Rue and IOU. Yeah. Like, important. Totally. Then we see um, uh, Cassie and McKay are definitely in a dark place because it's like yo like i mean i think cassie is like a baller but also like she's sad because like she's gonna fight with mckay now because she was just being normal and he's and then a mckay's dip. being so he's being super whack at the end when he's like wants nudes and he's like please i'm so horny yeah, like, it's like fuck you dude you're a real bitch. dick what like, a what a horrible God. way to end an argument please i'm so horny how about like, you say i'm sorry you. and you're a great girlfriend not fuck send him. me nudes and nah. then lexi's in a dark place because she's sad like rue fucked her over and was real rude rue was rude <laughs> Yeah, true. Rue, you rude. Then yeah. we got Cat's sex tape is out. Cat's sex tape's out. That. She's dealing with. She's in crisis control. Yeah. You know who is thriving though? BB. BB. BB's doing just BB's fine. BB's living her hot, her best life. BB's she's got drooling. lots of hot gossip to spread. <laughs> she's fine. Yeah. But yeah, that's like honestly, just like I will end on that note, saying everyone is in a really deep, dark place. Okay. Well, it would be really horrible of us to not end the episode with our traditional note of superlatives. Bum, bum, bum. It's that time. So, best dressed. We're doing like a quick fire round. So, best dressed. Maddie. For me, also Maddie. Um, in this episode, she for me, it's like the she, first day of school, she's got the light blue, uh, the light like blue the look piece. on, the mm-hmm. sky blue, and then she's got the red eyeshadow, which super works. Um, and then later she's got the bowling outfit, which I think also super works for her when they go bowling. Um, but also the light blue outfit plays into kind of the larger color scheme of this episode, which we kind of talked about outside of this, um, where the lighting is almost all like this really awful, like putrid yellow Mm -hmm. and almost all the outfits are like the light sky blue. Like Jules has the sky blue, Cassie's got the sky blue, Maddie's got the sky blue, so it's kind of like an overarching color scheme for the episode. Absolutely. But yeah, Maddie just, all the way for best I love Maddie. In this one. I don't even have a specific outfit. I love every outfit she wears in the entire show. So. I will say, super quick shout out, Kat. Um, I don't usually like her style, but in this episode, she's wearing a shirt from one of my favorite artists, Picture Plane. It's a degenerate shirt that he made through his clothing line called Alien Body. Check it out. Okay, we'll, we'll post it on our Instagrams. We always post our support. Plug for my boy. So, worst dress. For me, obviously, Ethan with the fucking dumbass medieval time shirt. Like, you could get that at mm-hmm. Goodwill. I love it. But for me, uh, it's gonna be Nate in this one for those fucking khakis he's wearing after he beats up Tyler. Like, God, what a doofus. 
<laughs> We're in khakis to the bowling alley. Woof. So then what's the next category? Day of the episode. Day of the episode. For me, it's Jules. She's a great friend to Rue all the way through. She's super cute. Love it. And then mine's Kat. I pick Kat because she's a baller. She deals with the, one of the most horrendous things a woman can deal with, which is a sex tape being released in high school. And she just, she takes full control. I'm here for Kat. All right. Then we're on to the old uh, big purple dirty rat bastard, um, which for One, me. One, two, three. Nate. Nate. Obviously. Yep. We don't need to even say why. Nope. He's um, a fuck. Class clown. For me, this week, it's going to be uh, our boys, Tio and Tamaro, a.k.a. Roy and Troy. Don't know which one it is, but whoever it is is pretty funny. <laughs> For me, I mean, I do think I agree with that, but I also think BB. I don't know why. I just love her. All right. Uh, best couple? Best couple. Rules. It's got to be rules for me this week. They're super cute. They're love kinda, their, and they're just their chemistry. Starting. Yeah. They're just starting, but that's like the best part of a relationship. So they're like budding into a beautiful mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And then we're on to the song of the week. Um, for me this week, it's obviously Stuntin' Like My Daddy. It's a great song. It holds up. We still party to it all the time. In our kitchen, we do. Yeah. And that's by Little Wayne. And Little Birdman. Wayne. <laughs> Small Wayne and Birdman. That's a great, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just a classic. It's a real fucking bop. Yeah. For me, it's a, uh, fuck, what's it called? Oh, Mount Everest by Labyrinth. Sorry, I had a little, like, brain fart there. But yeah, it's Mount Everest by Labyrinth. Alex hates it. I don't really care. I love it. I think I like it because it literally, it should be called Euphoria. It was a song he already had, and he just added it to the Euphoria soundtrack. But I think it, like, whenever I think of Euphoria, I can't listen to it and not think about mm. Euphoria. And I think that's very telling of a track. Like, it's so fucking good. I love there was it. A, no, I love it. I don't even want to hear your criticism. Uh, I won't, I'm not going to say anything, but there was a little news moment for your boy Labyrinth. He uh, <sighs> he showed up this past week um, when the, the celebrities put out that super cringy Imagine video where they were all taking turns singing verses from Imagine by John Lennon. And, uh, well, it was, for, it was for coronavirus. They were trying to be like, let's stay positive. And yeah. it was just a really it like not incredibly tone deaf and cringy and labyrinth uh took part in that labyrinth so. took part. but to be fair here this is what i will say on that really quickly Oof. if you are texted by gal gadot who's a huge celebrity if you don't know like look her up i don't know i didn't know her she but, plays wonder woman oh sure i don't know who cares gal gadot who cares she put you know she texts you though and she's a celebrity and you're labyrinth you're like up and coming artist i guess he's pretty established but still, you get a text that's like, let's spread positivity during Corona. You'd be a real asshole to be like, nah, thanks, I'll pass. So Disagree. No. So I'm going to give him a little, I'm going to give him a get out of jail free card and say he was just trying to do the right thing. His labyrinth seems like an amazing person, an all around nice guy. Oh, I'm I don't sure his intent was good. It, but this the... is on Gal Gadot. This is not <laughs> a labyrinth. This is on Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot, you're <laughs> all a real right, idiot. All right. Yeah, I mean, agree on that. So, but... you know what? Those were great superlatives. This was a great episode, Alex. I really thank you for getting your feedback. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. This was a lot of fun. We're just going to keep getting drunk, so let's just cheers to that. This has been a crazy week dealing with coronavirus in New York. Cheers. But here we are, episode two. We're doing great. And all are. I want to say is we're also going to drop episode three on Tuesday at the same time as this one so please listen to both follow us on instagram we're gonna plug everything on there we really want you all to be involved we want to hear your feedback if there's anything you even want us to talk about like just let us know this is so fun for us we're so appreciative of all the support we've already gotten so on that note we're gonna keep getting drunk and i just want to remind you all through this coronavirus and this harsh fucking time in the world instead of walking around and seeing imagine like stupid gal gadot let us all drink be merry and let's just keep that euphoriaism going keep your life euphoric kids love y'all we'll see you in episode three